Stuff Podcasts. Like we were in the auction room with first home buyers and you could just see the defeat on their faces because they were just going for for house after house after house. Like when we were looking originally, um, we we knew we knew the things like school zones and areas and things like that. And and it's pretty easy to find a property within that. But I think people get too set on the house being that's Shaden Whips, one half of the Mooch Style team, talking to my colleague Kylie about selling the first reno he did with wife Georgia in Christchurch. The couple have been working on their villa since 2016 and have been on a pretty steep learning curve when it comes to DIY. They share their work, warts and all, on Instagram, which has gained them a huge following and turned into a whole new career. I'm Joe Davis and this is First Rung, Reno 101, a stuff-homed podcast brought to you with support from Razine. As well as Shaden and Georgia, in this episode Kylie catches up with a first-time homeowner who completely remodelled her upper hut cottage. I'm not doing this um, for resale, I'm, I'm renovating a home for myself. Then Jeremy Gray from BuildersCrack.com talks us through hiring our first tradie. We see that the jobs that go best are the ones that have the homeowner sort of evaluating those three parts, you know. But before we hear from Rachel again, let's hear the top tips from Lisa Mackey, also a beginning DIYer. Even if you know that you're not going to be doing all the work yourself, like jibbing or tiling, it's still a great idea to watch some videos on how to do it anyway. It will help you get a better picture of what your tradie needs to do and what needs to be in place for them to do it. That way you can see the bigger picture of your broader project and better understand the order things need to happen in. Don't start a complicated task or one that requires lots of brain power late in the afternoon. If you're like me, most of us are sharper, better fed and freshly caffeinated in the morning. So I find that's a better time to do some of the more complex parts of a project like all the measuring and planning. I then plan to do the simpler or repeatable tasks later in the day, like painting or screwing on endless fence palings. Back yourself to be able to do the job. Decide what you want to get done for the day and break it down into realistic, achievable sections. Step away if things aren't going to plan and take a little time out to regain your focus before doing some problem solving and coming up with a new plan. Plus, I used to always tell myself that if I really screw it up, I could always get a tradie in to help. Sometimes just knowing you have a plan B is enough of a boost to give you the confidence to start. Rachel Massey is one of the boldest renovators I know. She may have started with a little two-bed cottage in Upper Heart, but she had a dream to turn it into something really special, a villa where she could host friends and family in comfort and luxury. She bought her little house about six years ago and almost straight away started planning how she could put her mark on it. When I bought it, it was two bedrooms, uh, 90 square metres. Um, so it was obviously six and a half years ago. It was a lot cheaper <laughs> than now. Price houses have changed quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I did get a really, really good price for it. Um, I've probably invested about the same amount into it um, through the renovations. Um, but now it's a um, it's about 135 square metres with an internal garage. Um, 
and the the spaces you can have it as a four bedroom or I have it currently as a three bedroom with two living spaces uh, which is what works for me. Let's talk a little bit about what Renault's you did do. You had quite a good sized kitchen to start with, but you've just completely reconfigured the back end of your house. Yeah, so the original floor plan um, was the the house was pretty much a square. We had two bedrooms on one side, the lounge and the kitchen on the other side, and a small bathroom at the um, end of the hallway. And there was a, um, a lean-to kind of laundry with mm. the toilet on the back. So what I did was push out yeah, the back end of the house, opening up the kitchen to um, a new living space and dining space. And then just off that space, there's also a third bedroom or what I use as um, an office um, and then a internal garage with the laundry in the garage. The laundry is pretty small, but that's because I don't like doing <laughs> laundry. So I wasn't going to add, <laughs> um, add any space, <laughs> any extra space to that. Rachel says she worked with a local design company to help her explore and expand her ideas and bring them to life. I was very lucky with the designers. They um, put me on to really, really good survey company um, who were amazing. Um, any, because anything they kind of had to um, do or talk about or explain, like they just did it so simply and made it in a language I could really understand it. Um, And they were always there to answer questions. So I was very, very lucky there. Um, Both with my um, designers and surveyors, um, part of their package or part of the the quote um, that I got from them was actually that they would be, um, they would prepare resource consents and building consents and submit them to council. Um, I know I know some people kind of do that stuff themselves and I think that's a kind of a cost saving exercise um, for me it was probably the best decision I ever made um, because um, it did take a lot of kind of the back and forth um, and stress out of it for me um, getting them to do it because they know they know the council process they know who to deal with they know what questions they're going to come back with so um, yeah it made it a lot easier getting them to do that and so you started from the design side rather than the budget side did you did you have yeah, a budget so in mind when you started definitely had a budget in mind um it's really hard I think I well, I would find it really hard to start with a budget first because you'd need to know exactly how much everything costs um, and that's mm. just not possible and um, what I did do is start looking into um because I knew I needed um some timber joinery and you know the kitchen and things like that mm. um and um, you know, lighting and all those fun stuff kind of looked looked into how much that costs. But there's just no way, I don't think, unless you um, you'd spend hours. Um, there's no way to understand exactly how much every little thing's going to cost, like a um, a mm. concrete slab <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, there's there's when I met with the designers, they kind of said, "What sort of budget do you have in mind?" And they design somewhat to that. But at the end of the day, they're not experts either um, in how much something's going to cost. A builder's going to tell you how much something's going to cost because they're going to get quantity surveyors to do, you know, the the costing and things like that. Um, So I think it's, yeah, it's good to have an idea. Um, But also for me, and I think this is probably a really key thing to like for people doing renovations is your reason why you're renovating. Quite often when I talk to people about, I'm doing a big renovation, 
and they'll be like, oh, that's great. That's great for resale value. Make sure you don't overcapitalize, blah, 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 and kind of really focus on that. And I'm like, I'm not doing this to um, for resale. I'm building or I'm renovating a home for myself so I can have my friends over and my family over and have beautiful dinner parties and, you know, like entertain people sort of thing. So I think, yeah, if you if you can really understand your reason why you're renovating, that's going to help you make a, a lot of decisions. And now you've got the most beautiful place to be and it feels really nice in that room. Um, and, yeah, because that's a stunning space, but that wall is, is really really amazing with the chef gold golden golden marble chevrons <laughs> yeah. it's really something yeah that was that was something that i absolutely wanted but it was certainly not in the original budget that was about can i um, manage the contingency in the right way um so then i can have my um gold chevron tile wall <laughs> do you think it has it had a had a impact on the value of your property what um yeah so there's there's as well as obviously where the housing market is sitting at at the moment um and um Mm. with the work that I've done um looking at I haven't had it formally like a formal evaluation done since um what I needed to get done for the bank but um looking on like homes.co.nz and things like that it's actually now worth four times what I bought it for it's quite surprising <laughs> hey well thanks for thanks for come coming on the show rachel it's been great talking to you today you're deep in diy but your paint can still be professional check out resine for your reno project diy might be the nation's favorite pastime some of us have even turned it into a career Two such crafty Kiwis are Renault influencers Shaden and Georgia Whips, who just sold their latest Renault and have already started on their second. You could say Shaden Whips grew up with a hammer in his hand. He comes from a family of DIYers and renovators, so seeking out a first home in need of some TLC was always going to be on the cards for him. Well, that's what he and partner Georgia did five years ago, sharing their journey together as Mooch Style on Instagram and becoming two of the most well-known and beloved DIY renovators in Aotearoa NZ. Um, Georgia, what about you? Did you have a background in, in Reno and DIY or, or was that all new to you when you, um, when you were in Oh, new. Like the whole thing was new. Um, I just remember as a kid would get people in to do painting and... Um, yeah, so a lot of it was new to me, um, but it's been really cool having this time to experience it for myself and, um, yeah, just get stuck into it. Because you guys, you mostly do all the work yourselves, don't you? You So we've done most of it ourselves, um, jibbing, plastering, painting. Um, the only really things we've had people in for is like electrical work and plumbing, mm. just stuff like we're not touching. Yeah, the stuff you're not supposed um, to touch, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the bulk of it we have done ourselves. I remember last lockdown we were in the middle of a bathroom reno, um, so didn't have a bathroom for the whole time. Oh my god! But yeah, during that time we were jibbing walls and painting and plastering, and yeah. And was it a steep learning curve for you? Did you kind of what kind of mistakes did you make at the beginning? What is it? <laughs> yeah, we. Um, <laughs> I mean, I knew things. I knew things. I knew, I knew my way around a paratool. Um, but I, 
I didn't necessarily know know things like how to hang the jib um, or how to plaster a crack and, and the ins and outs of that because generally as a kid, your parents will assign you a job and then you go off and do that. <laughs> but, um, when, yeah. but when it's you doing it, um, YouTube was, it was such a huge resource for us. Uh, and even like websites with how-to videos like Bunnings and Mitre 10, that really mm. helped. Um and oh, there was a lot of learning. I mooch like there was a lot of learning, <laughs> a lot yeah. of mistakes. I remember like shading, cutting all the um, skirting boards for the house, and he'd just like do this big thing, and then he'd cut it the wrong direction, <laughs> and we're just like, "Oh, we've got to go get a whole new piece of skirting board now." But I mean, it is what it is. You've got to learn, and that's the only way you can kind of do that. Right, and you never make the same mistake twice, right? After oh. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably about six times. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would be your one big piece of advice for people who are just starting out, maybe um, in the same? same sort of spot as you they've maybe first time buyers because I think people feel quite timid about things like especially about ripping off jib and stuff like that they're worried they're gonna totally devalue this Mm. massive investment they've just made especially now when house prices the way they are so sort of what's your what's your key tips yeah so the I mean, the general consensus with people going coming into like in our situation buying a villa that needs the work they they usually fight to get the property because there's a lot of people getting it, so they've spent a little bit too much our case uh and uh so they're going to put their hand um their hand at all these renovations, but sometimes it is a little bit like, "Oh, where do we start?" and we actually get asked this a lot on our Instagram, like, "Hey guys." my partner isn't isn't DIY friendly um what can I do to educate myself on on doing it and and our tips here are um obviously jump on YouTube jump on Instagram um even like do things like start a little Instagram page and and involve like get a get your own little community so um they can help you it's really helpful Facebook Mm. groups that's that's also really helpful there's like um there's one I'm a big fan of. It's like DIY frugal renovators or something, and people will ask questions, and then right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it, oh, I tell you what, it really helps. Um, but I mean, <laughs> let's I'll face just say it. that that website is actually Frugal Renovations NZ. Yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah. that's a it is a great page, Facebook page. It's yeah. really good, and though and those groups are actually so helpful. We started one ourselves, um, House Proud by Merch Style, and it. It's it's the same sort of scenario. People just ask questions and and it opens it up to all the members to answer um, answer accordingly. And and obviously, like these are friendly spaces as well. They're all moderated. No questions are dumb questions. So uh, that really helps. But I mean, just trying, just just getting in there, <laughs> giving it a go. Um, things like the cosmetic renovations, they can always be amended. So um, yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't be too shy. Yeah, yeah, you can always repaint. You can always repaint, right? Yeah. I think we tried to keep a lot of it quite neutral. Um, we do have some bright colours in our house, but I mean, a bit of paint can fix that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something we considered more purchasing our second house. Um, we plan on being in the next house a lot longer, so we will do it to suit us more as a family and as a growing family, yeah. And from and from the start, we have always been about who is going to be this person that's going to purchase our house. 
and we've had that person in mind. So it's things like fencing off your yard if you, they're going to have yard, uh, young children. Um, having having sort of like the outdoor space is completed if they're going to be like young executives that really enjoy having friends over. Just finishing the house as well and making sure that like, like job done because they might be a little bit time poor because of their careers. How do you choose the house you're going to work on beyond picking it in a good neighbourhood and the and the um those those other kind of aspects of home buying what about like the fabric of the house that you you're looking at yeah i mean this question's great because we've just been through it um obviously purchasing again uh it's i mean there's so many things to look at uh and and like we were in the auction room with first home first home buyers and you could just see the defeat on their faces because they were just going for for house after house after house like when we were looking originally um we we knew we knew the things like school zones and areas and things like that and and it's pretty easy to find a property within that but i think people get too set on the house being the house that they love then um whereas it needs to be a house that they're going to love if they're going to renovate it and it's pretty easy to create that uh, all you need is obviously that vision a bit of a plan um on how you're going to pay for it and do it uh and then go for it but i mean the house needs things like uh, obviously what good bones um looking for a house that maybe already has a space that's been completed like us it was the kitchen it was already done so we didn't have to pay for that um, so that was a huge saving and, uh, and we could tell it didn't actually affect the price of the house too much either. And this one has a great yard as well. So, um, we, it like, it was signed, sealed, delivered for us and, and we just went aggressively to, to get the house. But, um, I just think walking into it with an open mind, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a house to show off straight away. Um, and you can tell a lot of people nowadays get straight into things like styling and spending money on their lounge suite. Um, I mean, there's savings there as well by thrifting and um, in just making do so you can do things like renovate. We often like say a joke that we would um, we would rather buy a new door than go out on town and spend three hundred dollars on booze because <laughs> because. In the long run, in the long run, we're really going to benefit by it. And I mean, it's been proven with the sale of this this place. Um, yeah, we, we couldn't be happier with with how well the outcome of this property went. Yeah, so so you're sort of saying, suggesting to you look at the house as a stepping stone rather than having a, yeah, exactly what you want straight away or you're... Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, don't be so shallow. <laughs> like we all start somewhere. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and you just need to walk into it with an open mind and say, okay, well, how are we going to create this ourselves? Like create this, create this house into something that we really like, like things like changing the skirting boards and giving it a lick of paint is instantly going to make it a better house. The way we did it was we did it room by room. So I think we started in our lounge, um, got that done, moved on to spare rooms and just kind of made our way through the house as we had money for it. Um, Obviously, we did all the flooring after we'd done the painting, just so we didn't have to deal with paint on new flooring. I think um, one day I actually kicked over a wee tin of paint, so that was lucky that it was on carpet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just... <laughs> 
yeah, you definitely can do it that way. Um, just depends on preference, really. And so, so yeah, so that's that's important point, isn't it? And about having a plan about how you're going to do it, right down to knowing things like yeah, obviously start from the top down so that <laughs> drips and yeah, splashes. and you've still got to well, in most cases you've still got to live in it, so you've got to keep it liv- livable. Oh, that's great, guys! Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having us. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an exciting time purchasing property and, um, and just getting out there and getting it done and renovating. I tell you what, it's, um, it's taught us a lot of life lessons, but uh, it's, uh, the, the compromise always pays off. It's, it's really good. Hi, I'm home editor Joe Butcher, and my renovation dream is definitely to sort out my ugly old 90s bathroom. It's all faded melamine and corroded gold accents at the moment. I would love to pull all of that out, install an amazing walk-in shower, probably with beautiful green subway tiles behind it. Not everyone has the patience to teach themselves how to get their property surveyed or plan their own remodelling project or teach themselves DIY. And some jobs have to be left to the experts. So how do you find the right tradie for you? Kylie caught up with BuildersCrack.com founder Jeremy Gray to find out. The reason why we sort of say three is because um, you it's good to get a range of different quotes or estimates and it's good to meet a selection of tradespeople to sort of get a feel for who's going to be the best match for the job. If you're meeting up with, you know, say two or three tradespeople, um, yeah, it's a, there's a higher likelihood you're going to find one which is is most suited for that job um and then the reason why we we sort of limit it to three for the other tradespeople that are, are using their time um to come and catch up and talk about your project and come and look at it um yeah if you start if you're starting to engage in multiple tradespeople um yeah it can end up wasting quite a few of their time so we're always conscious of that too with three quotes that's about the standard isn't it i mean by then you should you should have an, a rough idea of what's yeah so we always sort of <laughs> we always sort of say hey it's a so time quality and cost sort of triangle you you're working with three factors and you can only really have two of them right you can have the job done very quickly um, at a low cost, but don't expect the high quality. You can have a job done, you know, quickly to a high quality, but it's going to be a high cost. So everything sort of falls within that way of thinking. Um, different people will want jobs done to different um, levels of quality in the finish. So um, that's another thing to think about. Um, in New Zealand, we're very price sensitive and price conscious Um especially when working with with trades and um yeah i think that's that's sort of wrong um in our experience um having done over half a million jobs or having facilitated half a million jobs now um we see that the jobs that go best are the ones that um have the home homeowner sort of evaluating those three um parts you know what's the quality of finish i want um when do i want the job done by and what's my budget but what's my sort of ballpark and what am i willing to compromise in terms of those other two um factors jeremy says all this depends on whether the work is a renovation maintenance or something more creative where the client may have a fuzzy vision for their home that the builder or tradie will have to interpret repairs are more clear-cut A vision or creative work needs a clear plan you can discuss with the tradie so you can see if your ideas line up. 
Meeting them face to face, you'll get a deeper sense of whether you can work together. When when the tradesperson sort of shows up, um, you know, already you're starting to sort of consider um, are they on time and and if they weren't able to make a planned meeting, um, did they give you a good amount of notice and and how was it, that interaction like? Um, you know, so if they've showed up on time, then then that's great. That's a good indication that they um, that their time management is good and and that they are taking your um, your sort of job seriously. Um, when when they show up and you meet, you're sort of just getting a feel for how how they operate. Um, and that's not to say that you're sort of you know evaluating everything they do, but but you're just sort of trying to establish um, how well the working relationship is going to go between yourself and them. Should you have a little sort of checklist of things to ask each tradie when they come? The first thing that you're going to want to ask them is um, that they're licensed or that they've got the um, proper certification to do the actual work you need them to do. Um, In New Zealand, there's um, a number of jobs that fall under restricted building work and the tradesperson has to be licensed or, or certified for certain jobs. So talk to them about that. Um, you also want to understand whether there's any consent um, implications of the work. Um, some jobs may require uh, council involvement. And next you want to sort of get into whether this this work that you have fits within their normal sort of day-to-day work um, and even if they enjoy doing that sort of work is often a telling telling um, question, you know, working with a tradesperson on on jobs is is not like a lot of other professional services. There's a lot of um, variation and in, in preference and in expertise and knowledge. Um, and it's just not so simple as a builder is a builder is a builder. Jeremy says the majority of jobs they get coming through are at the smaller end, the ten dollars to $20,000 range. That doesn't make them any less crucial to the homeowners commissioning them. There's a, there's a preciousness to the work, and when those two parties are working, as you say, with that sort of um, really deep understanding, uh, uh, um, the outcomes are amazing, and, and whether they're small or whether they're big um, jobs, so yeah. Do you need to ask about things like insurance and, and risk? Yeah. What warranties um, does their work come with and uh, what insurance do they have in terms of a public liability? Um, what does that mean? And, you know, how, how are we both protected if something goes wrong? Um, and those conversations, that's a, a, a quite a big space to talk about, um, but your tradesperson will be able to talk you through uh, the intricacies of their particular situation. Yeah. Jeremy says first time renovators should consider the complexity of the job before deciding whether to project manage it themselves. Often they'll need multiple sub trades for the project, such as tilers, electricians, and plumbers. A builder will be able to time those perfectly to save you money. Yeah, a lot of people sort of think, oh, I'll get a quote, and a quote is a quote is a quote, and that's sort of the end of that. But really, a quote forms the most basic sort of version of a contract. And that contract is, is actually binding between that tradesperson and yourself. Prior to a quote, in terms of simplicity, is an estimation. And an estimation is not a legally binding document, although it has um, some sort of, it has some legal purpose in the case that things really blow out. 
Getting a little more detail, Jeremy says quotes can be broken down into fixed costs such as materials and estimated costs such as labour and time. That's a good way um, for both parties to sort of share a fair burden of risk of, of the project. Yeah, um, and, and that works quite well for, for renovations, typically on older buildings where um, the, you know, yeah, the gremlins are, are yet unforeseen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why quotes often have a time limit. Yes. When jobs start to um, sort of start to spiral out, it always generally begins with communication around those types of things. This is your first time. You've never engaged a tradie before. What else is there that you should have on your little checklist? Yeah, so I think the the money side of things is a big one. Um, Deposits and what payments are made when, all that kind of stuff. Um, So at Builders Crack, we generally advise, don't generally make large deposits on jobs up front. And what what constitutes large is maybe half or more of the job payment. I mean, once you're getting above twenty percent of the job cost, it's starting to get a reason to be a reasonably big deposit. I mean, I would have thought half is half up front is yeah. normal, but to hear that it isn't is it's sort of like a little dance, right? Um, the tradesperson they invest in in the client by showing up, doing the quoting, invest that time, and in, in the possibility or probability of getting that work and then you know before as the job starts there might be a small deposit as the homeowner's gesture of goodwill to show hey yeah I'm bought into you and and your business doing this work Um, here's a small deposit to engage you then the tradesperson um, begins to work and then as they work that deposit is used up and then the tradie starts to you know be in credit and then there might be a milestone payment and that homeowner pays, you know, and then then that dance of credit goes between the two parties. So like pretty much like everything in life, it's all going to come down to good communication skills and yes. and trust. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Com- communication is the absolute number one key part of, of any project that, that goes well. So the take home is, even if you're a DIY superstar, there are always some jobs you need to let the experts help with. Plumbing and electrics are no joke, which is a nice segue into our next episode. That's right, we're looking at the big two, kitchens and bathrooms. The two rooms of the house that can make or break your home's livability, not to mention its resale value. So in the next episode, Jo catches up with a builder who has plenty of ideas about what she should do on her place, and a homeowner whose bathroom renovation was a heartbreaking necessity. This is First Rung, Reno 101. I'm Jo Davis. And I'm Kylie Klein-Nixon. Shout out to our editor, Jack Price, and thanks also to our sponsors, Resine, New Zealand Made Paints for New Zealand Made Homes. You can find First Rung on all the podcast platforms. We really want to hear how your Renault is going, so drop us a line at homed at stuff.co.nz. Happy renovating! renovating.